Reciprocity is when an infant responds to the action of the caregiver with an appropriate reaction, and it's taking turns. Interactional synchrony is when the infant mirrors the caregiver's actions by replicating their expression, gesture or tone. However, it's hard to test these because infants constantly change their behaviour, so it's very hard to work out what's in response to the variable and what's just random. However, there is some supporting research because de Jung found that infants will imitate the caregivers, but they won't imitate inanimate objects, therefore showing that they do they can tell the difference. However, Isabella found that there are individual differences because infants with a stronger attachment will have more synchrony. Finally, there are practical applications because Meltzoff developed the like me hypothesis, which is how infants will imitate in order to understand feelings. There are four stages of attachment. The first one is the indiscriminate stage, which is from zero to two months. This is when the infant will develop reciprocity and interactional synchrony, and by the end of it, they will start to prefer people to objects. The second stage is beginnings of attachment, which is from four months plus. This is when they definitely prefer people to objects, and they start to recognise familiar people over strangers. The third stage is discriminate attachment, which is from seven months, and this is when they begin to feel separation and stranger anxiety, and they form a specific attachment to the primary attachment figure. Finally, multiple attachments is formed by one year old, and this is when they can form multiple attachments. A problem with studying these stages is that there is participant bias, because all the data is self-report from the mothers, therefore there could be bias. It also only used working class families, therefore there's bias in that as well. There's also culture bias, because collectivist cultures might have different stages than individualist cultures. Finally, there's contradictory research, because Bowlby suggested that there is one primary attachment figure above all others, but Rutter suggested that all attachments are the same. The role of the father is to provide challenge and stimulation to the child because fathers are generally less caring, less sensitive and less responsive to the child's needs. There are two animal studies you need to know about. The first one was done by Harlow, who wanted to determine the origins of love. He put a baby monkey in a cage with two wire mothers, one of them just out of wire and the other one was covered in a cloth. He then had one of them with a bottle attached, and he alternated which one had the bottle. He found that even when it was the wire mother that had the bottle of food, the infant monkeys still always preferred the cloth mother and would cling to that one as much as possible. This shows that attachment is formed due to a desire for comfort, not just for food. A problem with this is that it's an animal study, so you can't generalise to humans, so there's low external validity. There's also a problem with ethics, because the monkeys had an inability to form attachments for the rest of their lives. Finally, there are confounding variables because the two wire mothers also had different heads on them. Therefore, it could have been this that influenced the monkey's decisions. Therefore, there's low internal validity. Lorenz studied the nature of attachment in geese imprinting by splitting a batch of eggs into two and allowing half to imprint on the mother and half to imprint on him. Even when bringing them all back together with the mother, the half that had imprinted on him just ignored their birth mother and still followed him around. However, again this uses animals so you can't generalise to humans.
but there is more supporting research because Guton did the same experiment with chicks and found the same results. However, there is dispute over the characteristics of imprinting because Guton found that he could later reverse the imprinting mechanism on the chicks, whereas Lorenz couldn't. The learning theory states that we create attachments by learning them from observing others. Classical conditioning suggests that we learn attachment through association of the caregiver with the pleasure of food that it brings us. Operant conditioning suggests that we learn attachment through consequences, so the food is the primary reinforcer, and as the caregiver is the one who brought the food, they are the secondary reinforcer. Social learning theory suggests we learn attachment through imitating others, so if the mother acts loving, the baby will imitate this. However, there is contradictory research for this, because Harlow found that a level of comfort is also important in developing attachment. It's not just about food. However, Harlow's research was criticised for confounding variables. Therefore, if Harlow's research isn't valid, it's not a good contradiction of this research. The learning theory could be called reductionistic because it simplifies behaviour. But there are practical applications because it allows us to encourage skin contact in hospitals with newborns. Bowlby's monotropic theory describes attachment as an evolutionary drive for survival. Social releases are things that will make the bond mutual to encourage the parent to keep looking after the child, such as the baby being cute to make the parent attached to it. There is a critical period for attachment, which is up to two and a half years, after which, if no attachment has been formed, the baby will struggle to ever form attachments properly. The infant also creates an internal working model based on their previous experiences of attachment, which creates expectations for future attachments. This follows on to the continuity hypothesis, which is that the attachment type you form in childhood correlates to your love type as an adult. Bowlby also believed in monotropy, which is that the attachment to the primary attachment figure is greater than all other attachments. There is supporting research for this theory because Hazen and Shaver found a correlation between attachment types and love types. However, it lacks falsifiability because you cannot prove any of these things. There is also contradictory research because Schaffer and Emerson found that there can be multiple attachments which are all equal. Finally, there are practical applications because you can encourage skin-to-skin -skin contact in hospitals with newborns. Ainsworth studied the different types of attachment there are. He created eight stages in which a baby was left either alone, with its mother, or with a stranger. He then observed the different behaviours they exhibited when left alone and when the mother returned, etc. He found that 71% displayed a secure attachment type, which is where they seeked comfort from the mother and were calmed by her presence. 17% showed an anxious resistant type, which is where they resisted attention and resented the mother for leaving. 12% displayed an anxious avoidant type, which is where they ignored the mother and were unbothered by her absence. A problem with Ainsworth's study is that there is sample bias, as she used all American middle-class families, therefore it doesn't necessarily represent other families. It was also conducted in a lab, which is unnatural and has low mundane realism, therefore it has low external validity. However, the fact that it was in a lab shows that it was controlled, therefore it has high internal validity. There have also been many replications that show similar results, giving it external reliability. 
However, you must consider ethics because the babies may have been distressed. Finally, there are practical applications because nurseries can adjust how they look after the babies based on their attachment types. Van Eijendorn and Krunenberg wanted to consider the different cultures' attachment types. They did this by conducting a meta-analysis of Ainsworth's Strange Situation study done in eight different countries. They found that everywhere, secure attachment was the most common. The UK had the lowest percentage of resistant attachment types at just 3%. Japan had the lowest avoidant attachment types at 5% and China had the lowest secure attachment types at just 50%. However, a problem with this meta-analysis is that there was a culture bias because they all used the American criteria for the different types of attachments. Also, as it was a meta-analysis, we don't know how valid each individual study was. Also, as they used Ainsworth's strange situation, all the issues with that study, such as the bias and the lab, all still apply to this meta-analysis. Finally, they only looked at the main culture in each of the eight countries. They didn't consider the subcultures within each country. Bowlby conducted a study to see if early maternal deprivation led to behaviour problems later in life. He found 88 children in a guidance clinic, 44 of whom had stolen things and 44 of whom hadn't. He then conducted interviews with each of them about their childhood and observed them. Of the 44 non-thieves, he found that 4% of them had had early, frequent separations as a child. Of the 44 thieves, he found that many could be classed as what he called affectionless psychopaths, and of these affectionless psychopaths, 86% had had frequent maternal deprivation. Of the thieves who weren't affectionless psychopaths, 17% had had early deprivation. This shows a correlation between early deprivation, lack of attachment, and growing up with behavioural problems. However, this research is only correlational, so it doesn't necessarily mean there's a causal link and there could be other factors involved. Also, their use of interviews was all retrospective data, which could involve participant bias due to remembering wrongly or wanting to seem a certain way. Social desirability bias. We also don't know what occurred during these separations, so there could be other factors involved, such as traumatic incidences. There is also observer bias, as Bowlby conducted the interviews, therefore may have influenced their results. However, there are practical applications, as it ensures hospital visitation rights, to make sure that we can form these early attachments. Rutter and Songyua Bark conducted a study to see to what extent children can recover from extreme early deprivation. They found 111 Romanian orphans who had been mistreated in a Romanian orphanage and they had them all adopted to British families. They then interviewed them every few years to see what they were like. They found that those who had been adopted before six months old turned out all right, whereas those who had been adopted over six months old had angry and rude personalities and struggled to form attachments. However, there are individual differences because some of the children adopted over six months weren't affected and went on to form normal attachments. But there are practical applications as it enables us to encourage attachments as we know the long-term effects it can have. As it was longitudinal research over a number of years, this shows that the results are consistent. Finally, there may be additional factors that they didn't consider such as the physical conditions of the orphanage 
and their lives after being adopted. Hazen and Shaver conducted a study to see whether early attachment styles correlated to later love styles. They had 620 participants complete a questionnaire about their love styles and their relationship history. They found that 56% classified themselves as having a secure attachment, 25% as avoidant and 19% as resistant. And they found that this correlated to what their early attachment styles were. They found that those with secure attachment styles had successful loving relationships, while those with resistant styles were often overly insecure and jealous. However, a problem with this study is that it was self-report data, so there could be participant bias due to social desirability factors. It's also only correlational data. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a causal link. It was also all retrospective data, which means any memory issues with the participants would affect the validity. There was also culture bias, as again they used the American attachment types. But finally, there are practical applications, because it allows relationship counsellors to get to the root causes of problems. The internal working model is an internal framework of expectations for relationships based on past experiences. It can be affected by your childhood friendships, your romantic relationships, poor parenting and your mental health. 